You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of thebarkboard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. My name is Lucio. I'm your host of the show. Being joined by the publisher of the Barkboard, Mr. Jackson Moore, who is being remote today. So he, the sound might sound a little differently, but how are you doing today, Jackson? I'm doing okay, Lucio. I'm fighting a little bit of a cold, so I don't want to infect your uh, studio there with all my germs. So uh, hopefully I'm coming in okay from location. Yeah, you're, you're coming in nice and clear. So, you know... It, it, sad that i can't have you in studio but uh we'll, we'll keep the show chugging along as usual um especially you know a- after the last game that the bulldogs had th- we've got a lot to talk about jackson um I- it was it was a weird odd game to say the least and by the looks of a lot of the faces that were on the fans in the stadium they were just as confused as everyone else so, <laughs> right jackson yeah, I mean, that was the Sacramento State team that the coaches had been warning all the last week that that was a, a team they expected to be pretty good. They were saying it all before the week. They were impressed by uh, the Hornets' run defense, and uh, they Coach Tedford reiterated again on Monday he thinks that team's going to win the, the Big Sky, which you still figure Fresno State should beat whoever the Big Sky champion would be in a given season. But, uh, I mean, when it was 20-20 to 20 in the fourth quarter, it wasn't feeling uh, very comfortable for the Bulldogs in their home stadium. It did feel like Fresno State was in control. They dominated most of the box score and especially f- uh, field position, but um, they weren't really capitalizing on their opportunities until that last stretch of the fourth quarter where they pulled away with the game. Yeah, there was. Uh, it was. It, it was one of those really odd ones. Uh, Bulldogs never really seemed to get comfortable against uh, Sacramento State, uh, who. On paper, Fresno State should have been uh, been able to move the ball a lot easier than they did, and it looked like they were just having all kinds of trouble trying to move the ball on this defense. It, it, they were they were actually moving the ball. I mean, the yards were up on the on the scoreboard. However, the score didn't reflect that. Now, did it, Jackson? Yeah, that's exactly it. I mean, they put up 471 yards, almost doubled Sacramento State's yardage, and yet it was still tied. Uh, in the fourth quarter there uh, until the last few minutes. Uh, so that was concerning. Um, again, they had the ball, as you mentioned, the Bulldogs were, they did move the ball. They got into uh, the 50-yard line or further into Sacramento State territory 12 separate times, but they only scored on five of those attempts. And, of course, missing three field goals doesn't help your cause. Turning the ball over twice in enemy territory doesn't help your cause. Um, I mean, that was a game where Fresno State, had control on almost all phases, but they were one play away from the Hornets taking control of the game on the scoreboard. And fortunately, that play never came. Uh, you know, obviously a different scenario, but it, it did remind me a little bit of the Bulldogs at USC, where in the third quarter it felt like they had control, and they were just you know one play away from the, turning the game in their favor or falling behind for good. And that USC kick return is what really did them in. So fortunately, the Hornets didn't have any big special teams play or any game breaker there in the fourth quarter and the Bulldogs were able to avoid any sort of embarrassment in that one now on the on the flip side of the coin uh, special teams was a problem for the Bulldogs which theoretically left nine points off the board uh, something that could have 
got the Bulldogs uh, ahead and got comfortable had they made all those field goals, but three field goals in a row wide right. Uh, I, what what was going on there, Jackson? Yeah, this game could have and should have been a lot more lopsided for Fresno State. And you talk about three field goals and then an extra point. I mean, that's 10 right there. It could have been 44 to 20 if the Bulldogs just convert on those four kicks. Uh, and they left a lot more points on the board as well. I mean, this game could have gotten really out of hand. And uh, fortunately, the Bulldogs were still able to win by two possessions. But, I mean, the, the field goal kicking was a bit bizarre uh, after you watch Cesar Silva in the first two games in more high-pressure scenarios and make five out of six. I believe the only one he missed was a 49-yarder uh, against Minnesota. So he had been really solid in his first two games since replacing Asa Fuller. And for whatever reason, he just did not have it against uh, Sacramento State last Saturday. Uh, the coaches have reiterated that they're going to keep their confidence in him. They're not going to make any changes, but perhaps Asa Fuller going in there and missing an extra point <laughs> may have something to do with that. Um, a stat that was brought to my attention, uh, you know, Fuller, that was an issue that he had last year, but this was yet another game where the Bulldogs won despite a missed extra point. I'm counting one, two, three, four, five, five. So the Bulldogs are now six and zero oh when Asa Fuller misses an extra point. So uh, maybe they'll they'll throw him out there a few more times. But uh, it looks like Silva's going to be the guy and all uh, for going forward as, as far as field goals go. Yeah, Asa Fuller did not help his own cause by missing that extra point um, because had he had made that extra point, um, the Bulldogs might have might have changed the kickers midway through that game uh, to try and give him a shot to see if they could settle things down. But since he missed the field goal as well, uh, I guess uh, Coach Tedford and company just said, you know, might as well just stick with Silva <laughs> since, uh, since our backup can't even make a field goal on it from the two-yard line. So... Uh, things things were a little bit odd to say the least for the special teams. Now they didn't give up any big plays on returns or anything, but the the extra points and the field goals were a, a bit of an issue for the Bulldogs. But that was the least of their worries. Uh, offensively, for for whatever reason, the Bulldogs would just they they would get things going and then run out of steam or or turn the ball over and very uncharacteristic. Jackson, uh, something that. Are we going to see a lot of this this year where the Bulldogs are just going to turn that ball over a lot more? Yeah, um, so as mentioned, 12 times to the 50-yard line or better, and I believe uh, so five of them were converted into touchdowns, two were turnovers, three were missed field goals, and then I believe there was two punts inside the 50-yard line. And the Bulldogs have been more than happy to punt the ball around that area because the defense through last year and for parts of this season as well has been so solid that you win that field position battle, you pin the opponent deep in the territory, that you're in a pretty good situation. Uh, but um, as far as the kicking game goes and the turnovers go, that's just five failed possessions that are, are inexcusable and not really characteristic of Coach Tedford's teams over the past two years. So, you know, there is still a lot of gelling going on with this offense. There's a lot of pieces that are still being put into the puzzle uh, a different offensive line set up as we saw uh, last Saturday and still not really a established go-to set of receivers it's been pretty spread out so there's still a lot of chemistry issues I think going on there that may show, be showing themselves once they get closer to the red zone but um, 
you know, this is three games in a row now where Fresno State has played what I would describe as somewhat sloppy, and you hope that they figure that out sooner rather than later because it looks like there's plenty of talent here on this team to where they can make that Mountain West run and really string together some wins here. But if they are playing pretty sloppy and they're not quite able to fix some of those issues, then they may not get a game like at Air Force or a string of games later in the season where you've got at Hawaii, Utah State at home, and at San Diego State. I mean, those are games that you have to be a lot more polished to get those victories. Uh, You'll get them against Sacramento State, New Mexico State, but maybe not against those teams. Yeah, things are going to start getting a little interesting. Um, You know, Bulldogs head over to New Mexico State. Um, a team that on paper, theoretically, the Bulldogs should beat, just like Sacramento State. But if they continue to struggle and have those same types of issues that they showed against uh, Sacramento State, it could be another long game for the Bulldogs. Um, You know, if they can get past New Mexico State, they'll get another bye, which, you know, maybe might be coming at the right time. Do you think, Jackson, it, it, it... Usually you don't want to have these these many breaks at early on, but for this year, could it be a good thing for the Bulldogs? I think the biggest benefit of that particular bye week is that they have Air Force the following week, and that is a unique option offense, and if you have two weeks to prepare for it, then that is definitely a favorable situation to be in for Fresno State's defensive coaching staff. Um, again, Air Force, you if you're right in the middle of conference play and you only have a week to prepare for that game. It can bite you. But this Bulldog team with two weeks to prepare for it should be in a lot better uh, situation. Uh, otherwise, uh, I'm not so sold on having the two bye weeks so early. I think the first one, circumstantially, paid off pretty well coming off the two emotional losses. They were able to have some extra time to put that behind them and get things going again. But uh, it would have been a lot nicer to have one of those bye weeks later in the season, but it just so happens that these two happen to be at convenient times for the Bulldogs when this team's still trying to figure things out early. Yeah, so it it definitely comes at the right time, especially, you know, trying to get things back on track, giving them a little bit more extra time to try and figure out that that Air Force uh type of offense, which, you know, it's unique. Not one of my favorite types of offenses. I've never liked that <laughs> offense, but it it does its job. Um, they've been pretty successful. Almost pulled off a win against Boise State, I believe. Right, Jackson? Yeah, they uh, they beat Colorado in overtime, and then they gave Boise State a pretty good uh, fight last weekend. But wasn't quite enough to to get over on the blue turf. So it it definitely can cause a lot of problems. So. Uh, something that uh, you know we've seen a, a few times uh, against this Air Force team. I just don't like that offense. I don't know, <laughs> not my cup of tea. But uh, but it is what it is. It is what they run over there consistently, and they're just good at it. So uh, we'll see what happens uh, as as the dogs start heading further into that season uh, against that game. Um, but next, I mean. What can we say about the the emergence of Josh Hokett? He he was the one bright spot of this whole offense, being able to turn it over and and basically he scored most of the points on his own, right, Jackson? Yeah, I mean he had three of the five touchdowns, and that was a game as we've mentioned. Uh, the touchdowns didn't come easy. They they would get close to scoring range and not quite get the ball over the 
the goal line, but Hoka was the guy that was not going to be denied. Uh, just about every time on those scoring situations, he was able to get over a, a tackler or two to bounce off of the Hornet defenders and get in the end zone. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he was really the big difference maker for the Bulldogs, and it was nice to see because he hasn't been all that involved the first two games. Uh, he only had one official carry in the first two weeks, and he was on the receiving end of that two-point conversion play the Bulldogs ran where he got it into the into the goal line against Minnesota. But uh, this was his real first chance to really contribute on offense in a, a significant role, and it was big because Ronnie Rivers was having trouble. Um, the Sacramento State run defense was only allowing uh, 1.7 yards per carry in their first three games, and that included Arizona State on their schedule with Eno Benjamin, who the Bulldogs saw in the Las Vegas Bowl last year and know all too well how effective he normally is. Uh, but the Hornets had shut him down, and they were giving Ronnie Rivers a lot of trouble as well. So for Hokett to go in there and run eight yards a carry on 13 touches, um, or just uh, just a little bit under that, uh, that was a big deal for Fresno State and something that they really needed to, to get over the hump for that game. Yeah, and definitely, and it looked like the Bulldogs were really relying on not only on Hokett's legs, but also on uh, Jorge Reina's legs uh, to make things happen when uh, the pocket would break down. Because let's face it, this this Hornet defense was in the backfield quite often. Uh, they got to Reina a few times. Is that concerning as to the aspect of what is going on with this offensive line for Fresno State, Jackson? Uh, yeah, somewhat. Um... They did not have Dante Bull in the lineup last weekend. The starting left tackle, he was not able to suit up for the game. And I think that probably added to the, the issues for Fresno State. Uh, Nick Abudefi was able to step in there at left tackle, and he's also played some guard for the Bulldogs, so he's been all over the place. But uh, Reyna, again, had a pretty solid game. And really, if you take away those two, you know, the, the two costly passes against USC and Minnesota, it's too late to do it now but otherwise his numbers have been pretty impressive and against sacramento state completing 28 out of 41 for 326 yards and two touchdowns a pretty solid day by him 68 percent completion percentage for two games in a row now uh, he's taken seven sacks over the last two games and that's been one of the most concerning things some of them are on him some of them are on the offensive line uh, but when he does have time to throw he usually takes advantage yeah, and, and you say he threw it for like 26 uh, completions uh, out of 40-something? Um, yeah, it went 28 for 41. Last week he was 24 for 35. So, I mean, 24 for again, he's, he's got seven touchdowns on the season to three picks. So, uh, I mean, overall it's a pretty solid resume. But, I mean, it's going to take a few more wins and a few more big plays to, to get those those two interceptions off of the fan base's minds. <laughs> I could I could have sworn it was sixty plus passes during that last game. I mean, it, <laughs> it just felt like all they were doing is throwing every other play, and it just um, I don't know. They must have saw something on uh, against this uh, Sacramento defense uh, because they took quite a few shots downfield than they normally do, right, Jackson? Yeah, and that's part of the Hornets' run defensive game plan. I mean, they wanted to load up the box and make. Uh, life difficult for Fresno State's running game but you know even though the Bulldogs don't have Keyshawn Johnson or Jameer Jordan they're still superior at wide receiver compared to what Sacramento State had a defensive back and Carrick Wheatfall was really the biggest uh, weapon for the Bulldogs in that aspect he was able to go one-on-one -on -one deep downfield 
against the Hornets. He caught three of those passes. Uh, he also drew a couple pass interference calls. So um, the Bulldogs did take some shots, and they did convert on a couple of them um, using the, the kind of the Hornets' defense against them in that fact. But uh, overall, the Bulldogs were struggling with Ronnie early, and they had to go to the passing game a little bit more. And then they had the ball for so long with time of possession. By the time they let Hokett loose in the fourth quarter, that Hornets uh, defense looked pretty worn down. And uh, Hokett's not the guy you want to see with the ball when you're tired. Yeah, and and things things started to go downhill for the for the Hornets once Hokett started getting that ball and started gaining confidence. It was he was like a freight train, a, a runaway freight train. At times, he was making defenders bounce off of him, um, and it was. It's kind of impressive to see to to see the old Hokit that we were accustomed to see uh, back uh, a couple of years ago before the emergence of uh, Ronnie Rivers. Hokit was the man at one point, and it you're you're kind of seeing flashes of that all over again, right, Jackson? Yeah, and I think we'll see a little bit of this back and forth, given that Rivers and Hokit are basically their only two running backs right now that they feel comfortable getting the ball to. And we've seen Rivers was the better matchup against Minnesota, and Hokett was the better matchup against Sac State. So I imagine uh, they'll kind of ride the hot hand as they have in the past. It hasn't really been a one-two punch, per se, with these two guys, but I think one of the two are going to shine week in and week out. Yeah, and so things things are about to get dialed, dialed in at the running game as long as they can get that offensive line kind of back into shape. Right now it's kind of in flux. They're still moving pieces around. Do you do you see them making another change on this offensive line once again for this upcoming game? Well, they may be forced to. Um, unfortunately, offensive lineman, probably the star of the group, Natane Muti, uh, has missed some practice time this week with a, a lingering injury. It looks like they may be without him this weekend. That's not 100%, but if he's not good to go, then they're basically forced into that. Um, fortunately, they do have Nick Abudefi, who, as mentioned, he started at left tackle last weekend. If Dante Bull can get back to that spot, then Abudefi can slide into uh, Muti's guard spot, and they shouldn't miss too much of a beat there. Uh, they also have Jace Fuamatu, who is pretty close to returning. Uh, he's been out through fall camp in the first couple weeks of the season, so there are some options, um, but I don't think they're going to settle on a, a healthy starting lineup until a few more weeks it may appear um of course with the bye week and then going to air force uh, they're going to have some time to figure things out after this weekend's game yeah so things uh you know things are are going to get worked on especially at that offensive line they need to f- try and find some cohesiveness um with with the players there and it's going to be a work it's going to be a work in progress all season long until they can get a lot of these healthy bodies back um but before we move on to the the New Mexico State breakdown. This Sacramento State, you know, it is a team that was no joke. Um, the Bulldogs, you know, ha- were trying to make a point of it that this team was not a slouch, and to you know, they gave lots of respect to the Sacramento team, and well justified, right, Jackson? Yeah, I think we saw for ourselves. Uh, I mean, tied at twenty to twenty. In the fourth quarter, there haven't been many FCS teams to come to Bulldog Stadium and put up that kind of fight, and the Hornets were able to. Now, I think the Bulldogs kind of shot themselves in the foot a bit, especially on offense and in the kicking game. They could have had a pretty sizable lead by that point, but 
the Hornets real, really were only one play away from taking the lead there, and fortunately the Bulldogs were able to get past them. But, uh, yeah, that was a, a solid Hornets team. Uh, Coach Tedford has said he thinks they're going to win the, the Big Sky. Uh, they had a similar battle at Arizona State where they came up short but made things interesting uh, late into the fourth quarter. So that's a pretty solid Sacramento State team. Uh, personally, I think UC Davis is probably a little bit better. They've got a, a really strong offense in that Big Sky Conference, and there's a few other real competitors. But you know, when Sacramento State finished last season 2-8, and eight, I thought they would be the easiest team the Bulldogs have seen in the Coach Tedford era. And that was not the case at all. So kudos to their new coaching staff. Um, I think the Hornets were perhaps better than this New Mexico State team the Bulldogs are about to face. And the Hornets probably could go through the Mountain West and pick up a, a couple wins. But um, ultimately, that was the game Fresno State should have won. And they did take care of business. Yeah, and it's definitely going to be a team that you know. In retrospect, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of keep tabs on them and see how they do the rest of the season, and uh, and hopefully, uh, you know, make some noise here in the state of California. Um, having uh, Sac State going in there and trying to trying to see if they can come up with something. But moving on, we're jumping in both feet against New Mexico State. Uh, the Bulldogs travel to New Mexico, however. This game will not be televised normally, right, Jackson? <laughs> so, so you know, this one, this one is going to be it's going to be difficult for any of the local fans to actually see this one. So, you know, how how are they going to even be able to see this? Yeah, so this is going to be broadcasted by Flow Sports, which is not a well-known name probably for college football fans, uh, particularly Fresno State fans, but. Uh, they are more of a, a wrestling entity. So our Bulldog uh, Matt followers that have gotten back into Fresno State Wrestling the past couple of years may be pretty familiar with the site. Um, they will be streaming the game online, and that's how you'll have to watch it. They are also a subscription service, which is uh, goes for nineteen ninety nine a month. So, I mean, it's one you can subscribe to and kind of cancel afterwards if you're a Fresno State fan just wanting the one game. Uh, it's kind of like a pay-per-view deal in that as- aspect at uh, 20 bucks, um, But that's basically the only way to catch this game video-wise. Of course, you can always go to 940 ESPN Radio. Uh, Paul, Pat, and Cam will have the broadcast there. Uh, but if you want to watch it, then you'll have to go through them. Uh, Fox Sports Arizona Plus is also picking up this game, but I doubt many of our listeners have a, a cable package with that. Uh, that channel in it but in case you do you'll be able to watch it on that channel yeah so it's going to be one of those if you really 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 want to watch it uh you can pay for it (laughs) but uh, (laughs) otherwise just listen to it on the radio that's probably what i'm going to end up doing um it's very obscure channel uh to watch the bulldogs play so i'm kind of i think listening to the radio is probably going to be my best bet on this one but other than that, what are, what are we expecting? Uh, what are we expecting the Bulldogs to to go into New Mexico? What, you know, what are what should we expect from this New Mexico team? Let's start off offensively. Can the can the New Mexico? I don't even know what is it. The Lobos, New Mexico State. Oh, the, the New Mexico State Aggies. They're the one. Aggies. See, I always get those two mixed up. <laughs> so the New Mexico State Aggies offensively, what do they bring to the table? Is it something that the Bulldogs are going to have to worry about? 
So offensively, these New Mexico State Aggies did play the New Mexico Lobos last weekend, and it was a 55-52 shootout, which the Aggies fell short. Um, but it was the first game of the season. The Aggies had shown a lot of life on offense. Obviously, 52 points in one evening is uh, nothing to overlook. So they can put up some points if you'll let them. Uh, they had their first three games of the season. They had to play at Alabama and at Washington State. And then they had to play a San Diego State team who's known for defense as well. So they were held to 10 points or less the first three weeks. But they really did unleashed themselves against the Lobos last week. And uh, this is a New Mexico State team that likes to throw four receivers out on the field most of the time, and they do like to air it out. They will pass uh, very short. They'll, they'll do a lot of short and efficient passes. Um, they're not necessarily going to try to burn you down deep every play like a Hawaii-type offense, but they do like to spread it out. They do like to throw it around. Uh, they will mix in some running plays. Um Looking at their spread against New Mexico last weekend, they threw 47 times. They ran it 34 times, so they will, uh, again, utilize the running game, but this is more of a pass-first, spread-it-out offense, and probably more so like USC in terms of scheme compared to what Fresno State's seen so far this season, uh, just at a, a different level, obviously, when it comes to talent. Yeah, so it's going to be a glaring difference uh, of talent <laughs> there uh, between the Bulldogs and the Aggies. Um, but uh, defensively, can can this defense pose problems for the Bulldogs? Yeah, so this defense is pretty bad. That's about the only <laughs> way to say it. Um, their best performance this season was allowing only 31 points to San Diego State. And I will remind you that San Diego State only scored 31 points once last season. <laughs> uh, so as we know, in the Mountain West, the Aztecs are not known for their offense. And even they were able to put quite a bit of points on the Aggies. Uh, New Mexico State gave up 58 to Washington State. They gave up 62 to Alabama. Again, you can't really fault them too much for those two games. And then they gave up 55 to New Mexico uh, last Saturday. So they are definitely vulnerable on defense. And really, on that side of the ball, I think it comes down to just Fresno State taking care of business, as we saw against Sacramento State. They did not; they were not able to finish enough of their drives to put that game away earlier. And I think that's going to be a similar case this weekend. If the Bulldogs just take care of business and finish off drives, they should run away with this one fairly early, certainly by the third quarter. Um, but if they can't score uh, when they have the opportunities to do so. Uh, the Saggies offense may be able to take advantage of a few possessions and make this one interesting. Um, I think what we've seen from Fresno State against the pass, like we saw against USC and uh, certain passing situations against Minnesota, they were going to be dropping back a lot of defenders and not really getting to the quarterback a whole lot. And the Aggies may be able to take advantage of that if that's what the Bulldogs give them in this one. Uh, the Bulldogs were also having some cornerback health issues with Chris Gaston and Deshaun Ruffin both down. A true freshman, Randy Georgian, looks to be the likely starter in this one. So uh, Fresno State's offense versus New Mexico State's defense does not concern me very much. Uh, but if the Bulldogs don't have their A game on offense, then the Bulldog defense is going to have to step up. They are going to have to limit the Aggies' offense and do some things better that they weren't able to, to do the past three weeks. Yeah, so the yeah the Bulldogs definitely cannot have a repeat of what they did last week, uh, where they 
were moving the ball but ended up, you know, with too many turnovers. Um, you know, uncharacteristically, a couple of fumbles by Ronnie Rivers. Uh, there was some fumble in other areas. I mean, things just got a little, a little crazy to say the least uh, for the Bulldogs. Um, if if they if they do if they can clean up all of those mistakes, there shouldn't really be an issue with this one, right, Jackson? Yeah, not in my mind. Um, uh, I kind of think that this New Mexico State team might be worse than Sacramento State, but the Bulldogs do have to go on the road, so. It should be a similar level of game, but the Aggies don't have much going for them on defense, and they are going to have to basically rely on that spread offense to try to get the ball down the field. And uh, Again, as we've seen against USC and then Minnesota on third and long, uh, the Bulldogs just weren't getting any pressure on the quarterback, and they weren't playing well enough in coverage at times to uh, close out some of those drives on third and long against Minnesota. and. Uh, they obviously gave up some big ones to USC in the opening game. And the Aggies may be able to show some flashes, but as long as the Bulldogs do their job on offense, they should well outscore the Aggies and leave this one with a, a pretty comfortable win. Now, do you think this this uh, the special teams can get it together by then? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of odd what happened last week. It, it was very uncharacteristic, uncharacteristic, but is it something that, you know, they can kind of overcome and get over this? Uh, if they start coming out and missing field goals again, is that really going to start raising a red flag for this Bulldog team? Yeah, I think so. Um, of course, last season there was red flags with the field goal kicking all season until the last two games where Asa Fuller was just nails at Boise and in the Vegas Bowl against Arizona State. Uh, I mean, they really took care of business in those two games when the Bulldogs really needed it. Um, the way Silva came out the first two weeks, I felt like field goal kicking was not going to be an issue, but now it looks like it could be after a really much of a struggle last weekend. I think Silva can, with a good performance on Saturday, make it look like that was just one off night and just kind of move on. But one thing we haven't talked about from last week was kickoff coverage because the Hornets didn't do anything on kick returns, uh, but the Bulldogs did struggle mightily against USC and uh, to a lesser extent against Minnesota. And this New Mexico State team does have a kick returner. They have uh, Jason Huntley, who returned three kicks in six games last season. So if the Bulldogs are not executing on their kickoff coverage, the Aggies could hurt the Bulldogs in that aspect, and that could be another sore spot for special teams that we're talking about at this time next week if they don't shore those things up. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, definitely going to be one of those that uh, it's going to start really creeping in the back of these kickers' minds if they can't get it together and you know kick it down the middle of those uh, goalposts. All of a sudden, the the field goalposts become very extra small if they if they continue to miss them, then it it just becomes a mind over matter kind of a thing. That field goal will continue to get smaller and smaller as they keep missing field goals, right, Jackson? Yeah, and hopefully the good thing with Silva's misses were that all three of them he pushed to the right. So hopefully that's something that they can correct. It wasn't like he was just – I mean, he wasn't inconsistent. He consistently missed all three of them to the right. So uh, it wasn't a, a matter of just shanking them or anything. So hopefully that's something that can be corrected over the week and get resolved before he's asked to do it again this Saturday. Now, do you see the Bulldogs kind of opening up the playbook and having Reyna 
testing them deep again, like he did against Sacramento State, um, trying to open up this game, uh, maybe getting the these receivers even more comfortable catching the ball and moving it down the field like that. Maybe that will help open up the the back the 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 backfield a little bit for the running backs, make them some holes for them. Do you see them kind of going with a pass first kind of mentality just to try and set up the run a little bit? Um, you know, I'm curious to see what New Mexico State kind of gives up, and this Fresno State offense will definitely take what the defense is giving them. In Sacramento State's case, it was the deep ball, and the Bulldogs were able to take advantage of that. Uh, you know, the Aggies haven't really been able to stop anything this season. Uh, so if it's kind of a balanced approach, I look for the Bulldogs to be balanced on offense. Uh, they've thrown the ball a little bit more than probably we anticipated this season. Uh, Reina threw 39 attempts at USC, 35 against Minnesota, and 41 against Sacramento State. So he's been throwing the ball quite a bit this season, and it's reflected in the rushing game numbers. Uh, the Bulldogs don't have much to show for in the running game, and it's not necessarily because they can't do it. Uh, it's just been part of the, the game plan where they haven't ran as much with the, the sheer numbers. So I wouldn't be surprised if maybe they get back to the running game a little bit more in this one. Um, but, again, it comes down to what the Aggies are are showing on their defensive side of the ball. And, uh, I mean, they're going to be doing whatever they can to show some life on defense. I wouldn't be surprised if they uh, come out with a different approach than the Bulldogs have seen on film in terms of, how they try to attack Fresno State, but uh, nothing they've done so far has worked very well, and Fresno State should be able to pick what they want. Yeah, it should be one of those where the the Bulldogs should be able to kind of move that ball at will. Hopefully, they can um, you know really clamp down on those turnovers. If they can do that, there this game should never really be in question for the Bulldogs. So hopefully, that will be the case this upcoming week. But around the Mountain West, Jackson, things were a little bit odd, to say the least, (laughs) of what happened in the Mountain West this past week. For example, San Jose State versus Arkansas. And what came out of this game, Jackson? San Jose State winning this one? What? (laughs) Can you break this one down a little bit for us since you do cover San Jose State and and just kind of give us a little bit of insight? What in the world happened there? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, as all Bulldog fans know, the Spartans have not won many games the past couple of years. And really, to kind of emphasize what they did, uh, Cal earlier that morning won at Ole Miss, and that was the Pac-12's first road win at SEC country since 2010. Uh, so for San Jose State to win at Arkansas was nothing to, to look past. Uh, I mean, Arkansas is, is definitely a struggling team in the SEC right now, but it is very difficult for any team from the West Coast to go to SEC territory and get a win, and San Jose State managed to do it. Uh, they really jumped on the, the Razorbacks, actually. They were out to a 24-7 lead. Uh, Arkansas came back and tied at 24-24, but the Spartans came up with the big plays late, which they normally don't get, uh, but they were able to get that win, and part of it was forcing five interceptions in one game. Uh, That should give just about any team a chance to win if you can do that, and the Spartans were able to take advantage, and I mean, that was a huge win for San Jose State, a program that hasn't had many wins to speak of in the past couple of seasons. There's been rallies around campus over the last 
a few days as the team came back from uh, Arkansas, and it's just been a, a very different vibe for that SJSU program coming off of this game, and we'll see if that momentum can carry all the way to the end of the season when Fresno State plays San Jose State or if uh, they're sitting in another situation where they're not even close to bowl eligibility. Now, is this going to be <laughs> one of those uh, years where the the Mountain West right now just looks like a juggernaut compared to some of these other conferences at the moment because they are winning games left and right that they probably shouldn't be winning. So, Jackson, do you think the Mountain West is really that strong this year? You know, it's it's definitely an improvement. Um, the Mountain West is winning games this season that they haven't won typically in past years. Um, they've done very well against Power 5 programs. Um, but in terms of this conference, I still think it's a, a very similar situation where I think at the end of the day, Boise State, Utah State, Fresno State, San Diego State are kind of your top four, maybe Hawaii as well in that mix. But the same kind of top-heavy teams, I believe, are going to run this conference at the end of the day. But it's nothing to overlook because the middle to the bottom of the Mountain West has been pretty bad the past couple seasons. And now they're definitely showing some signs of life, uh, which has been a big deal for Fresno or for the Mountain West. And it's something that the conference can rally around uh, going forward. Of course, the, just the sheer number of wins uh, against the Power Five. I believe the Mountain West is 8-9 and nine right now, and that is the best record uh, definitely amongst the group of five team uh, conferences against the Power Five. So uh, the Mountain West can definitely hang their hats on that. But there's just a lot of examples of, say, Nevada beating Purdue and then losing by 70 at Oregon. You've got Wyoming who beat uh, Missouri, and then they lose the a Tulsa team. That's uh, not the greatest. <laughs> um, the, I mean, there's just several of those examples where those teams won critical games, but I don't know how much better they actually are compared to years past. No, and it's uh, it it's just been it's been kind of a odd season so far when it comes to the Mountain West pulling off some some games that you didn't think they're going to do and then all of a sudden just blowing the next one. So, you know, the Mountain West right now is looking better than any of the other um, group of five team, uh, schools right now um, and conferences. So that is something that is going to work in their favor, especially late in the season when, when um, the bowl committees try to decide where to put uh, certain teams. Um, right now, the, the Mountain West should have a leg up on everyone. So it should be a good thing for the Mountain West. Um, was there any other surprises this week that happened, Jackson, uh, around the uh, around the Mountain West? Uh, within the Mountain West, um, you know, Utah State and San Diego State was, uh, I mean, there hasn't been much conference action, and that was the first big one within those two teams. And the Aggies went to San Diego and got the 23-17 win. Uh, they were actually in control 23-3 to going into the fourth quarter, but uh, San Diego State made a run there at the end and fell short. And that's an Aggies team that came off of a, a really big season last year, 10 wins and a top 25 rating to finish the season. But uh, they did lose to Boise State and kept themselves out of the Mountain West Championship, of course. And going back to their their new head coach is their old head coach, uh, Gary Anderson, I uh, was kind of curious to see if they would be as good with him, and 
they're definitely off to a good start in the Mountain West uh, in conference play. Uh, that also gives the Aztecs a loss in uh, the race for the West title as well. Um, Colorado State fell short to Toledo in a non-conference game. Uh, Wyoming lost to Tulsa. Tulsa had previously beaten San Jose State as well, so the Golden Hurricane have been a thorn in the Mountain West side so far this season. And, uh, of course, Boise State uh, edging out Air Force on that Friday night game. Uh, so we're starting to, to get a sense of where some of these teams are at as we approach these conference games. Yeah, so definitely right now Boise State is currently ranked very high in the top 25, um, and I don't see them dropping down anytime soon. Um, you know, as a Bulldog fan, uh, one can only hope that the, <laughs> that the uh, Boise State stumbles somewhere down the line. Um, but, you know, it, it is what it is. It does make the conference look better when we have top-ranked teams in, in the conference. Um, I just wish it was someone else other than Boise all the time. So, um, but that being said, Jackson, this last game uh, at Bulldog Stadium, there was no shortage of um, football recruits in the house. Uh, and we were able to see quite a few different uh, recruits lining up on the sidelines. What was your overall take on this? What what did you see happening there? Yeah, I mean, that was a big group that Fresno State had, and there's a lot of times where the Bulldogs have a lot of recruits in the stadium, but maybe only a couple of them are actual guys with offers and targets that they're really trying to get. But, I mean, it just there were so many familiar faces with this one. There was... I believe somewhere in the ballpark of eight recruits that do have offers from Fresno State and uh, several more that could be close, those kind of three-star guys that don't quite have the offers yet. So, I mean, a big group of guys and legitimate targets that the Bulldogs are actually going after. And um, to spill one of them, uh, there was a commit in the house, Hunter Caupico, out of uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, at Faith Lutheran High School. His high school actually... Uh, was playing in Bakersfield. They were at Bakersfield Christian and won that game. And he was able to spend an extra day in the Central Valley and catch Fresno State play in Bulldog Stadium. But, yeah, about a solid um, five, six guys that Fresno State is looking to to get a commitment from, uh, they were able to get into Bulldog Stadium. And you can get more details on those guys in the the Barkboard Insider board uh, in the Insider Game Report. I've got a full breakdown on the recruits there and, um, some ways to get in just a, a just a dollar for your first month on that subscription if you're interested in checking that out. Yeah, so we've got definitely got a plenty of coverage uh, in our premium area. So if you got a chance, check it out. You will not be disappointed. But before we call it a day on the podcast, Jackson, we couldn't do it without really you know giving you a chance to talk about basketball, your other favorite sport. More more your sport than mine, but <laughs> it is something that, you know, we, we would like to kind of uh, give out more information on. And so you had some news on the basketball program. What What is it that you want to go ahead and share with everyone here? Yeah, they uh, held us out. to. It wasn't a practice, but it was a workout uh, on Monday. And uh, practice officially starts Wednesday of this week. Um, so... I mean, it's just about basketball season. Got to go out and interview some of the coaches and players. And this is a pretty interesting group. They've got eight new players, five true freshmen, and I believe that doesn't count uh, two other guys that had to sit out last season. So an influx of 10 new players, essentially, to work with on this team. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they all gel. 
three seniors, of course, um, that return Noah Blackwell, New Williams, and uh, Nate Grimes, basically the heart of the team, but uh, starting to get a feel for the rest of these newcomers to see who might contribute right off the bat and uh, who else is going to be a key part of this team. There's a lot more size and height in the front court that the Bulldogs did not have last season. While there may not be as much uh, scoring threat in the backcourt that they had with Braxton Huggins and Deshaun Taylor last year, so we're going to start to to try to figure out this team a little bit over the next month before they start actually playing games. Um, but this week's Wednesday special, which is a, an insider perk for our premium members, uh, they'll be able to see our interviews with Fresno State's three assistant coaches. Our first chance to really talk with them get to know them a little bit, explain what their roles are on the staff, and they let out some some of the secrets to this roster and what may look different this season. So some insightful interviews there, and we'll have some more with some of the players. Got to talk to Chris Seeley, who is a Utah transfer, who is now eligible this season. He's originally from Fresno. Uh, he's going to be one of the more exciting players for the Bulldogs this season, standing at six foot eight uh, with some perimeter abilities. And also talked to a very intriguing player on this team, seven foot two, Asan Juf, who had to sit out last season and now gives the Bulldogs a legitimate center in the middle. So two players that could really shake up things for Fresno State. Uh, you'll get to see more of them as well on the Barkboard Insider pretty soon. Yeah, so things are going to start to heat up for basketball season. Um, and it is going to be one that Jackson and I are going to be covering. Once Bulldog, uh, once basketball season does start, we will be out at the games getting you footage, uh, getting you interviews, and all the information that you can uh, digest, so to speak, um, as the season progresses. So uh, that being said, Jackson, any final thoughts before we call it a day? Yeah, that should about wrap it up. Um, we've got coverage from Fresno State's uh, week of practices coming on the, the bark board, and we'll have our other regular features. We'll have our score predictions coming up before kickoff. Uh, uh, we'll have those on Friday. Uh, Bulldogs play Saturday at 5. So um, this will be a, a kind of a, a different game where they're not in California for the first time all year, and we'll be watching from home. And so I uh, just... Um, They'll have that game, they'll have to buy, and then we'll get into the, the heat of Mountain West play. So kind of the last calm before the storm here before Fresno State football gets into the most critical stretch going forward and basketball right around the corner too. Yeah, so that things things are there's not gonna be a lack of uh, information being thrown at you here in the next few months. Uh, in fact, we're going to have even more information being thrown at you uh, as things start to build here within the next month or so. When basketball starts getting into full swing, uh, we will have more coverage for you uh, on that aspect. But that being said, uh, I want to thank everyone for joining us. And if you'd like to reach Jackson, you can find him on Twitter at JacksonMoore247. You can find me on Twitter at RedWaveReport. Uh, you can like our Facebook page. You can also go to our message boards and send us a message um, and just reach out to us. For that being said, I want to thank everyone for joining us and join us again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics. <laughs>